things around here at the church. Uh, our puppet ministry is about to put on a show that is going to be lights out in a couple weeks, and, and they've got just a little announcement they wanted you to see. So take a look at this video. Good morning. Well, hey Mike, I don't think you prepped them good enough. Let's try that again, shall we? Good morning, eh? Good morning. That's much better, eh? Um, hi, my name is Gru, and I'm from the north, yeah. Yeah, up there in Canada, in the woods. And I come here to live in your country. And I thought it was supposed to be warmer, yeah? And, and it's not. Yeah, no kidding, eh? Um, and I came here actually to um, tell you something, and I forgot what that was. Um, oh, yeah, now I remember. I'm supposed to tell you about the show. You see, the kids here at FUMC put on a really cool show every year. And this one I've been helping out with, so, yeah, it's naturally better than all the rest. Eh. What? Anyway, Friday evening, February 28th, and um, Saturday, March 1st, at 7 p.m., the 1914 show Hero kicks off right here in this very place. It, well, it's going to be great. There's going to be fireworks and explosions and all kinds of fan... Okay, um, turns out there's not going to be any fireworks or explosions. Um, yeah, pastors don't like fires, um in the church anyway. Saturday, I'm told there'll be spaghetti before the show at 5 p.m. downstairs. And who doesn't like spaghetti? Oh yeah, I forgot, Methodists don't don't raise their hands. Uh, anyway, management tells me I can't have any on account of my fur and all. But um, you're gonna have to trust me, folks. This show is gonna be something special and you're not gonna wanna miss it, eh? I promise. This particular show is going to be pretty pretty amazing. There's some new and exciting elements as a part of it that you won't want to miss. So please come and enjoy the spaghetti supper beforehand. Uh, proceeds from that supper go to help support our mission team to Haiti. Uh, that's taken off next month. So we're excited about that. So please come. And, and our scripture this morning comes from the book of James, chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you asked, what you get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may, be, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. 
Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Now, prayer is the very heart of how we connect with God and the powerful way that we express our love for God and for God's people. And we have many avenues of prayer. Personal prayer time with God, the prayer cards and inserts in the bulletin that we have access to on Sundays. And now we have another way to share our love for God and for each other through our Marian Methodist prayer wall. So we're going to show this to you right now on the screens. And uh, as you can see, on the homepage for our Marian Methodist website, which is www.marianmethodist.org. Near the top, there's a, prayer, there's a link for prayer request. And Chris is going to go ahead and click on that link. And as it's selected, it opens to the Marian Methodist prayer wall where you can see prayers that have already been submitted, including the date they were added to the prayer wall. You will also notice that there is an option to pray for any of the requests and to indicate that you have prayed by clicking on the link I prayed for this. The number that prayed for each request will increase with each prayer said and acknowledged. At the top of the page is an option to share your prayer request. As that is selected, a window opens up where you can then fill in your name, email address, and phone number, followed by a space to write your request. So we're going to go ahead and do this right now. In the space for name, we'll write Marian Methodist. And for our email address, we'll put info at marianmethodist.org. The phone number that we'll use will be the church office number, 377-4856. And then below, you can see uh, your personal information. There's a line that says, please share this. Uh, Oh, so, so when you drop down, the window is opened. And you see that you have the option to either share this request on the prayer wall with your name attached, share this anonymously, or do not share this, which will be shared only with the pastoral staff. We are choosing today to uh, the option that says share this. So in the space for your prayer request, we will write, Lord, we thank you for the new members who have joined your church today. And for baby Mason and his family as we celebrate his baptism this morning. That happened at 8.30. Isn't this cool? How many of you guys have been on this site before? Have you seen this yet, this, this prayer wall? Excellent. Make sure you check it out later. Okay. With your prayer request, when it's been written, you'll see that you have also have the option of having an email sent to you when someone prays for you uh, by selecting the box or not. We will not select that box today. So now that our prayer request is written... 
we will select Submit Request, and an email will automatically be sent to one of our prayer administrators who will review our request and then release it to the prayer wall. The prayer wall is accessible 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and also on your mobile devices that have internet capabilities. Sometime this morning here at church or throughout the day, please go on the wall and try it out for yourself. Spreading God's love through our Methodist, our Mary Methodist prayer wall anytime and anywhere. And as we go to prayer today, we'll pray the prayer uh, that our Lord taught himself to us, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Additionally, we're going to pray today for Pastor Mike as he comes to interpret this very uh, deep and intense scripture this morning from Jesus' little brother James. Let's pray. Lord God, as Mike comes today, we pray, Lord, that you would bless his heart, that the words that would come out of his mouth would would be uh, birthed in the heart of a man transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we know he has uh, labored hard and long this week to bring this message to us, Lord. We pray that his words today would be your words and that you would give your church ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to want to just take a, a minute and celebrate with you a little bit about what we've going, got going on as a church. I, I'm just thrilled to be part of a church that's uh, having such a, a successful build campaign, and, and I'm grateful for all of you that are involved in that. So uh, I encourage you, if you haven't made your commitment yet and are, are, are wanting to, uh, there will be people standing by after worship, and we hope you'll come down there. Now, I moved away uh, from Iowa for uh, pretty much uh, the 80s. And there were three reasons why I lived in the West for those 10 years. Um, December, January, and February. I, I hate all those months here in Iowa because they're so darn cold. And I, I thought the best thing yesterday, I got a tweet. Maybe some of you guys got this too. One of our church members made a big white sign or a big white flag and just went out and stuck it in the snow. snow we, we win or we surrender, right? We give. We give. Um, Pastor Keith and I are working through the book of James right now. And the book of James is really about two things. That's Christian being and Christian doing. That, that's the heart of what the book of James uh, is about. So when we look at James, we really have to start with the who. Who wrote the book of James? James, the author of James, is the younger brother of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as James writes this book, he has two main agenda items. The first is to expose hypocritical practices in the church, and secondly, to teach right Christian behavior. He, he, he wants to show what, what people are doing that isn't right, and then, of course, point us to what is right. So as we read James chapter 4 today, he begins with an important call to Christians everywhere, and that is to have a, 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 a spiritually healthy understanding of the world. Now, this is really important. It's really important for us to push back from ourselves a little bit and say, how spiritually do I understand the world? Let's go back to the beginning. What is the origin of the world? Why does it exist? In the Christian tradition, we believe the origin of the world is in God. 
God speaks in his love, creation. And then he makes humanity and puts us at a higher place than all other creatures. The point being is that creation, the world, exists so that humanity might be in, at one with God. God's desire and his original plan was that creation, the human, human creation, the human community, and he would be at one. Now that's not the current reality of the world. The current reality of the world, the how the world exists, is that it separated itself from God. It's not at one with God anymore. It's, it's pushed away from God. Now, we understand why this is true because the natural inclination of anything is towards itself. Self-advancement, self-preservation, and, and self gets into our, our center. You, you know, I, I'm a believer that there's the first four words that you learn, no matter what language you learn them in, when you're a child, is dada, mama, no, and mine. Mine. Mine, 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 mine. And we, whatever we see, we assume it's ours, and we try to claim it as ours. You know, you try to take, you know, I try to take this microphone from a little child that might be wandering through the church, and I'll say, here, that's, that, that goes here, and she'll say, mine, 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 right? I mean, that's how we are. And we understand that if, if the self is the most uh, central focus of a person, and, and that mine is what we say the most, and we want everything, we are naturally going to have a quarreling world. We're going to have a world that's absolutely filled with, with wars, because the, the claim of mine, if you're, if you're in a home situation, if everyone is claiming the things that are there as theirs, you're going to naturally have wars in, in a family. If you're in a classroom situation, some of you are teachers, you know that if every student in there claims the things as theirs, mine, 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 you're going to have a war. We know that's true between countries and communities. That, 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 the, the whole claim that of, of self as most important causes and leads to wars. Because, and this is what James writes, is the egocentric mindset, that, that claiming of mine, 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 leads us to a self-indulging lifestyle. And the self-indulgent lifestyle defies God. Not my words. The books of the scriptures. I'll repeat them. The self-indulgent lifestyle defies God. And James says, if you become friends with the world, you have become an enemy of God. Now, think what that means. If you become friends of the world, you've become an enemy of God. Now, I've been a United Methodist most of my life in one form or another. And when you hear a statement like that as a United Methodist, the first thing you want to do is push back a little bit. You say, whoa, whoa, Pastor Mike. I, I thought we were supposed to be friends of the world. What does James' older brother Jesus say about this matter. Let's take a look. In John three sixteen. it says, For God so loved the world, and on my notes, the word world is underlined. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So, of course, the question is then, if God loves the world, are we not also supposed to love the world? And the answer is yes, if we have the right perspective. We are to love the world in the right perspective. You see, we are in the world, and we're to be in the world. We were born into the world. We had no choice about that, right? None of you chose 
None of you are in like some line and say, want to be born today? You're like, no, I'm good, right? You, 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 you were born and you had no choice about it, so you were put in the world. But the scriptures tell us all the time to say, even though you're in the world, you're not to become of the world. You're not supposed to, con- you're not supposed to conform to all the values of the world. You see, we're supposed to be in it, but not of it. You see, the world that we live in, that we're a part of, the world community, encourages us to be worldly because we live in it. And we need to understand that the world left on its own is in contradictions to the values and the principles of God. And a spiritually healthy understanding of the world is that it's broken from its oneness of God. It had ability to be at one with God, but by its own volition, it took off. And that's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His perfect, His good, His pleasing will. Which is to say, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Every single day, in the environments we find ourselves, the world around us is trying to squeeze us into its mold. If you're in a workplace where it's common to talk poorly about other people, that world is trying to squeeze you in to talk poorly about other people. If you're in a situation where, where it's natural, where it's natural to use improper language, the world's trying to squeeze you into using improper language. If, if you're in situations where Faithfulness is not useful to to whatever the organization is. That world is trying to squeeze you into its mold. And and of course, you can go on and on. And and of course, we've taught students and and that all all around forever. But the fact of the matter is, we as Christians need to let the world not squeeze us into its mold. Because right Christian belief stands in direct opposition to the world. Because the world says this. I'm number one. Me, 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 me. Watched the Super Bowl the other day. I'm sure you, some of you did too. Do you know how many things I deserve according to the Super Bowl? I deserve a new car. I deserve a new house. I deserve definitely a new computer, a new phone. I deserve these things. You know why? Because I'm number one. And everything is about me. According to, to the world, I am the sun and you people are all the planets and you revolve around me. Right? But that's not right. We know that's an incorrect vision, yet so often in this self-centered, self-indulgent, self-gratifying culture, we kind of start believing it and going along with it. I'm number one. I'm number one. But the Christian says, not that they're number one, but they say, I yield all things to the number one. Mike Ransom said it. I trust all that I am, all that I'm ever going to be, to the number one. Now, there's only one number one in anything. There are no ties about who's number one, okay? Number one is the one and only God, the El Shaddai, the great and powerful shepherd of the sheep. It is God Almighty. And we are to yield our lives completely and totally to Him. We're to submit ourselves to God. Now, here's where the issue comes in. Submission in the world in which we live is the property of weaklings, Right? I grew up on the playground. Back in my day, if you wrestled around with someone and you were getting whipped, you cried, uncle. Remember that, some of you? you say, uncle, uncle, uncle. Today, if you watch MMA or Ultimate Fighting, 
If they get into submission, they submit, they tap out. They're submitting and saying to the other, you're more powerful than I am. You're better at this than I am. So, so in, the world's, in the world's mindset, when you submit, you allow yourself to go down. You push yourself down. Now follow carefully of how this works in Christianity. In Christianity, when you submit yourself to God, you're actually picking a leader that is so much higher than yourself is that rather than go down, you're going up. The world pushes down. The Lord pulls up. Okay? So if you submit yourself to God, He pulls you up. It says that right in the Scriptures. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. He will lift you up right in the Scriptures that, that we read this, this, this morning. And, and so Christianity leads you to a higher place. And you say, you claim out, you call out, I willingly submit, but only to the one. To the one and only that is above other things. And, and let, me, let me put this in perspective, because... There's a lot of different ways to look at life, but I just want to show you three different ways to look at life. There's three ways to look at life. One is carpe diem, carpe diem. Do you know carpe diem? Do you know that? What's it mean? Seize the day. Why do you seize the day? And according to how that was written originally, seize the day didn't mean, hey, there's a moment in front of you, grab hold of it. What it means was, eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we die. Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow you die. Which, which is to say, seize the day. It's all about you. It's all about what you can get a hold of. It's all about what you can grab. Because this, what we see, that's all there is. So whatever you accumulate, whatever you can call your own, whatever you can grab for yourself, that's what there is to life. That's one way of looking at life. A second way of looking at life is that life is designed as a disappointment, for disappointment. And you need to turn your back on it. Now, this is a real Eastern, mystic kind of conception that like all of this that we're in, you know, the daily life that we have to go to work and get jobs and mow the grass. Won't that be cool? We get to mow the grass again. You know, creating meals and all that kind of stuff. That, that all that stuff and dealing with other people is just a disappointment. So just walk away from it. Try to raise right in the living of your days above it. The, 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 the idea is that there's nothing here for you. And long before Kurt Cobain and his group out in Seattle started a band called Nirvana, the concept of Nirvana was this. In the midst of your living, turn your back on everything that's around you and, and just become at one with yourself and therefore you'll have peace in your life. That's Nirvana. Nirvana above all other things. But that's not a very Christian concept either because you turn your back completely and entirely on the world. So the Christian concept has something to do like this, is that, that life is fleeting, but we're linked to the eternal. Life is short. This is true. Life is short. I, I'm doing the basic Bible, and, and some, of, some of you might be in that class with me. We're having a great time. Do you know what it says in Genesis about the span of life? At a certain point, God just simply says, you know, the span of human life is going to be 120 years. Do you know Why? He said, I mean, it's right in the scriptures. Don't miss this. Look it up. Because he can't take more than 120 years of us. It's, I'm not kidding you. I'm not, not, I'm not extrapolating something from the text. That's what it says. You know, it used to be that Methuselah lived 969 years. God was cool with that. Moses or Noah lives 950 years. All that kind of stuff. But God said at some point, you know, 120 is enough. That's the limit of our days. That's the outer limits. And that's certainly been what's true over the last generation. 
But, so we know that life is short. We read the paper every day. We see what times people are, are, are checking out. And it's also true that what we believe and what we do in this life are part of eternity. You know one of the most annoying things that I see on television when I listen to preachers on those high-numbered channels? Every once in a while, I see some preacher talking to us about eternal life, and the message he's preaching is, you've got to hurry up and die so you can live forever with Jesus. That's not really what the scriptures say. I would, I would not want to call another brother out, but they're not right, so they might be really not right. I don't want to say they're wrong, but they're really not right. <laughs> they're wrong. Because here's what it says in the scripture. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, you enter then into eternal life with him. You have to die to be in your eternal life. I mean, all of us at one day or another will turn the door handle of death, but those of us that are in our eternal life already, we turn that door handle and our physical body plays off and we walk from life to life. Our life just continues on because this I know. The, the, the body that we're in, it, it plays out. The spirit that we've got, you know, I really don't see much difference in my soul between when I was in my teens and now in my 50s. Your, your soul remains the, the same and it's desirous to be at one with God. And it's important for us to understand that. And that's why in 1 Corinthians it says, that, or it's 2 Corinthians, it says this, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we feel we are wasting away. You know, we are. Our bones are wearing out. Our hair is falling off. Our knees and elbows and all that kind of stuff. But yet inwardly we are renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, that means it goes away, but what is unseen is eternal. And in this conception of, Christian, of, of life, in the Christian conception of life, the material and the physical side of life are not completely devalued, and they're not denied. That, that means we can have things, and, and we can have this life that we enjoy, and they must all be subordinated to God. They must all be below our trusting all to Him in Christ. The Christian belief that everything about us and everything else we'll ever know is connected to God brings us to the very practical moment of our celebration of church membership, our, our charge for the day. Because here's what James says. Do the good you ought to do. Take a look at that. That's like one of the easiest things to remember. Do the good you ought to do. Now let me put it in this context <clears throat> because it's important. United Methodist Christians pledge, belief put to action in our membership vows. Living them out is the good that we're supposed to do, is the good we ought to do. But there's a significant problem, and as members of the church, or those of you that are seeking members, membership, I need to tell you, and I need to remind you, because I've been the pastor for a long time, and this has happened, you know, since World War II and following. The church, and we're a part of that, the church has been irresponsible in making clear the obligations of church membership. The church has been irresponsible in making clear the obligations of church membership and the seriousness of the obligations which are involved in that membership, which is why I'm going to give you a quick refresher right now and why Keith and I are going to loop back in the spring 
and do a pretty intensive reminder and call about what it means to be a United Methodist Christian, what we believe and what, because of those beliefs, we're supposed to do. So the good you do, you pledge to do when, you're, when you join the United Methodist Church can be summarized, you know, in this quick reminder in five words, and they're in front of you. First, when you pledge to be a United Methodist Christian, you pledge your prayers. One of the most important things to understand about Christianity is that God chooses to be influenced by us. He has allowed us influential voice in his heart and mind. You can go on the church website and through all that binary code, you can get a prayer to God. You can get on your knees and get a prayer to God. You can be driving down the road and get a prayer to God. However it is, you can be influential to God. When you pledge your prayers, you pledge that that you have access to God and are doing the things that we ought to do then. The good we ought to do in our prayer life is to be influential. Influential for the lives of our children. Influential for the lives of our family. Influential for the lives of our friends. Influential for the lives of our our workmates. And of course, influential for the life and the people in the church. The second thing we pledge when we pledge our membership is our presence. It is always astonishing to me that people want to join the church and then don't come. So I tell you, if you you ever want to join a church, just get the discount for a wedding or something like that. Just ask the pastor. He'll say, oh, we'll give you the discount, but don't join the church and don't come. Don't join the church and not come. See, it says in Mark or Matthew chapter 16, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. See, our doing has to do with presence in in two ways. First, you have to be mentally and spiritually present. You have to have that mindset to say, I want to be present for God and His Holy Spirit. And secondly, you have to show up. You have to be present for other people. So you're present for God and you're present for people. So there, in, in doing so, you're present for the purposes and the, the people of God. The third thing we pledge is our witness. In, in Mark chapter 16, Jesus says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, we are to give witness, which means simply tell the good things that God has done to us. You don't have to get some five-point you know, sermon with PowerPoints on your little iPhone or something like that. You just have to be willing to testify what God has done to you. But this is what bothers me when we see this call that we are to witness. So many people that call the church of Jesus Christ their home have never said a good word about Jesus to anybody. So many people. They call the church home has never sent a good word about Jesus to anybody. And if you pledge your witness, how could that be so? Not only that, one of the most important witnesses we give goes like this, because I've heard it to be true. So many people have never said a good word about their church either to anybody. It it just absolutely slays me. It doesn't have to be my church. But it just slays me when I'm standing in a store or something like that and you hear somebody talking about their church and they're saying to somebody else that obviously doesn't go to their church, they'll be saying, oh man, our church, we got so many problems. I mean, people can't get along. Our pastor's too short, too bald, too fat, too old. All they want is your money. That just slays me. We're on the other side of it. I love it when you're standing in Fairway or somewhere and someone comes running up to someone, you know, someone they know and says, oh, we're doing the most interesting thing at our church. We've got this puppet show. You should bring your kids, your grandkids, whatever. You should come to this. Our church is so cool. That's a witness to the Lord. 
Because I would say that one of the most important things that has been the tearing down of the North American church in the last 40 years is the fact that we who love it have been taken apart brick by brick by talking poorly about it. We're to witness to Christ. We're to, in our doing, we're to tell the people, people we meet the good things about Jesus and what he's done in our lives and to tell the great things that our, his church is up to right now. We also pledge our gifts, which is kind of obvious. Our doing is that we claim what is, when we claim what is mine and we give to him. We give God what we've claimed is ours. And last, we, put, we pledge our service. I, I found very few churches that are as good as serving others as this one. I talked about the cakes a few moments ago, but I needed 10 people to cook cakes. I only had to contact 12 people. One's out of town. One said, I refuse to kill anyone that comes to our church by feeding them what I cook. We're a servant church. We, we, we believe in the fact that we lower ourselves to raise others up and serve them for the, because of the Lord of, of God, the Lord of love, our God. And no one can be forced to become a Christian. The duties of a Christian can only be assumed willingly. I have joined, probably, I've had probably hundreds, maybe thousands of people join the church under the ministry that I've led over the last three decades. And never once have I put a foot on someone's neck and held a firearm in my hand and said, you need to join this church right now or else. We don't force people like that. You assume the duties of a Christian willingly, which leads us to our opportunity today. In just a couple moments after the offering, I'm going to encourage you to, uh, that are members of this church, uh, to stand. Now, I don't want to feel bad if you're not a member of the church right now. I, I don't want you to feel bad if you don't claim First United Methodist Church as your home, even if you've been tending for, if you don't stand up. Don't feel bad about that. And, and I'm going to ask the members of the church to stand and, and recommit by saying our membership vows together. Now, I will add this caveat to that, that if you are not a member of our church and you want to join, I have the ability and the authority to invite you to do that right now. So when everybody else stands up, and you want to stand up and join our church, just stand up and do it. And then just a minute after church, come down and tell me, hey, Pastor Mike, I joined the church today. And we'll write your name down so we can get some information about that. Because we like to have you. And I, and I want to tell you, we've already had um, five people join our church this morning with that call. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah, that's awesome. And alongside that, you, you, to, to receive membership in our church... If you've been baptized anywhere else, in any denomination, under any authority, um, that baptism stands for us because we believe in what it says in the Bible, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But if you have not been baptized and you want to, during the time when the offering plates are being passed, I'll be standing behind this baptismal rail here. And if you're willing and wanting to receive baptism so you can join our church, you're invited to come forward. And we've had two people come forward and join, uh, receive Christian baptism this morning as well. So, so there is precedent, and it's happening here in your church. And so before we go to that moment, would you just join me in prayer? Lord Jesus Christ, we ask your blessing on this congregation that's gathered here, that as we continue our life in your church, that we might accelerate in such ways that we might become more faithful to you in all that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a look at this video. Hello, my name is Paige. 
I've been going to this church since I was one. Through the ministries of youth and kids, I made a connection with God that it's unbelievable. Thanks to your offerings, it has blessed me enough so I can have that connection and share it with others. Thank you for giving to the ministries at First United Methodist Church. Ushers, please come forward.